WGN Radio's daily conversation about the life of business and the business of life. This is the opening bell with Steve Grzanich on 720 WGN. If you think of the Federal Reserve and you close your eyes, do you see Alan Greenspan? For years, the iconic face of the Federal Reserve. If new data suggests it is likely that the pace of cost and price increases will be picking up, the Federal Reserve will have to act promptly and forcefully so as to preclude imbalances from arising. The former chairman of the Federal Reserve, setting monetary policy for years. Uh, he was the face and uh, still is a respected economist uh, around the globe. I'm sure that uh, some still on the Federal Reserve look to him for guidance. There's a new book about him, a biography, The Man Who Knew, The Life and Times of Alan Greenspan. And we're happy to have the author on the opening bell this morning, Sebastian Malaby, is with us. Good morning, Sebastian. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Steve. Is, uh, is the, did I make up uh, too much there? Am I the only one that sort of closes my eyes and thinks of the Federal Reserve and sees Alan Greenspan? Was he that iconic? Steve, yes, I think you're right. Um, if you think about post-war financial history, I can't think of anybody who is more prominent than Alan Greenspan. I mean, he was Federal Reserve chairman for 18 and a half years, compared to, say, just eight for Ben Bernanke, eight for Paul Volcker. So more than twice as long for Alan Greenspan. What was the key to his longevity? Is he uh, a smart guy when it comes to monetary policy? Did he have, was he in the right place at the right time? Of course he was a smart guy on monetary policy, but then, you know, most people who get to be chairman of the Fed are that. What was special about Alan Greenspan is that he was also politically amazing. I mean, he was a sort of Machiavellian operator. He knew all the tricks of the trade because he had worked with Richard Nixon in the late 60s. He'd served in the Ford White House. He had served alongside people like Henry Kissinger, who really knew how to spin and leak and play tricks. And Greenspan was the best at all that stuff. There was one fantastic uh, episode in the 70s, which I discovered when I was doing my research, where Henry Kissinger goes toe-to-toe with Alan Greenspan and Greenspan basically outsmarts him politically. Is it unfair to put him in a league and try to put all of the different chairs of the Federal Reserve in leagues to compare them? Uh, how would he, would you say, rank against uh, today's chair, uh, Janet Yellen? I think he was more impressive than Janet Yellen because he dominated the discussion both within the Fed and nationally in the way that Janet Yellen just doesn't do. I mean, in the Greenspan period, Uh, When he talked, everybody listened. There were Alan Greenspan T-shirts, you know, Alan Greenspan dolls. I mean, he was the benevolent uncle for the entire national economy. And also, it it was more than that, too. Every word was sort of dissected in a way that we don't see happening today when the Federal Reserve Chairman speaks. Well, one of the things that's changed is that, you know, when Janet Yellen speaks, people do dissect that. But she has allowed all the other leaders of the Fed to speak as well. So you get this cacophony of different voices. Nobody can figure out who to wait how much. In the Greenspan period, if somebody else tried to speak out on behalf of the Fed, Greenspan made pretty sure that they stopped. Also, we, uh, you know, we see more transparency, I think, in the Federal Reserve System than there was when he was in charge. Uh, how are the uh, times different with that in, in mind? Well, you know, Steve, you could argue that We live now in a world of blogs and Twitter, and everybody's got their voice. And if you tried, as Fed chair right now, to tell the other governors um, and regional Fed presidents, uh, gee, you know, please be quiet, that just wouldn't work in in the year 2016. 
Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I think Greenspan was quite good at telling people uh, when to be quiet. You know, if they leaked to the press, um, you know, he once he got the FBI out to, to find out who did it. Uh, on the other hand, he leaked to the press quite happily because he wanted to shape the message. So he was just a very skillful and actually quite ruthless and mesmerizing political actor. Uh, uh, so I think that actually matters more than the fact than, you know, as Bob Dylan said, the times they are changing. Yeah, Sebastian, the, the many economists say that, uh, and, and investors too on Wall Street, that the Fed has lost a little bit of credibility over the past year because it keeps saying it's going to raise interest rates and, and has not. Uh, is, is that something that you would agree with, that they have lost credibility? I think that's true. I mean, they've, they've said they would and then they don't. They also sort of, you know, sometimes some of them are saying they will and others are saying they won't. And then there's a huge argument about which one is right. And of course, some of them have to be wrong. And I think just too much communication ends up being confusing. Uh, and that's just not a mistake that Alan Greenspan ever made. Yeah, it, it, we uh, one of our regular contributors here on the show often calls it the rubber chicken circuit, where the Fed uh, governors go out and do this uh, speaking. And it really has become sort of a circus because they all do come out and say different things. And by the end of the month, you're like, wait, what happened? Alan Greenspan was well known for, you know, he, somebody called him a bespectacled sea squid who, sensing danger, will emit black ink and then glide away silently. And that was just a funny way of saying he avoided the question. When he didn't want to answer your question, he would do what he called mumbling with great incoherence. And this is a strategy to avoid being out there on the rubber chicken circuit and saying stuff he didn't want to say. He went out to Congress, testified, did say what he did want to say, but he avoided um, getting into things that he shouldn't. The name of the book, again, The Man Who Knew the Life and Times of Alan Greenspan. Sebastian, what else did you uh, find out about this man that we all knew for so many years that perhaps maybe we didn't know? Well, Steve, quite a lot. I mean, we remember the besuited, sober Fed chairman. We don't remember the 33-year-old who bought that uh, red leather-seated uh, Buick Electra Convertible 225 with chrome all over the outside and enormous tail fins. You know, we don't remember... Uh, that actually, as a young man, he was a radical, ideological libertarian, close to the novelist Ayn Rand. And he, for example, he wrote one thing. I couldn't believe this. He wrote that the creation of the Federal Reserve was, quote, get this, a historic disaster. So the man who embodied the Federal Reserve later on, when he was in his 30s, he thought it shouldn't exist. Historic disaster. Yeah. And he thought that there should just be a gold standard and no printing of money. He later, of course, embodied the printing of money, of fiat currency. But, you know, uh, I went and found somebody who was a, a close follower of Ayn Rand, who had all the, um, you know, copies of speeches and so forth that had been given at the Ayn Rand Institute. And there in the basement of this man's house was the 300-page transcript of Alan Greenspan's speeches in 1963-64. Uh, and so it's amazing. It's right there, all his libertarian beliefs, and he made an incredible intellectual journey from being this person who believed in, for example, bailing out nothing ever. You know, when, when New York City was about to go bankrupt and Gerald Ford said, Ford to city drop dead, that was actually Greenspan to city drop dead because it was Greenspan in the White House advising Gerald Ford to say that. So he was this radical guy who didn't want to bail anything out. But when he was Fed chair, he did the opposite. He rescued the financial system time after time. So just the, the, the complexity 
the way that he shifted over time, the way that he embodies the making of modern finance. You know, he, his career goes from the late 60s, when there's no modern finance, no financial derivatives and so forth, uh, till the eve of the 2008 crash. So if you want to understand the making of modern finance, it's really all there in the story of Alan Greenspan. It's a wonderful biography. After reading it, uh, do, do we reconsider the place that we've put Alan Greenspan in terms of the history of our country? Does he deserve a higher place? Yes. I mean, I think, you know, after 2008 and the crash, people blamed him for that, and he did deserve um, quite a bit of blame. You cannot be the most important, powerful economist in the world and then say, whoops, it wasn't my fault when you know everything goes wrong. So he does deserve some blame. But at the same time, I think American culture builds people up into sort of hero status, and then it knocks them down too much. So he went from hero to zero. And I think that's an exaggeration. And right now, we live in a world where experts, technocrats are on the retreat because populist politics is on the rise. And it would just be worth studying the life of the man who combined technocratic excellence, you know, expertise in economics and political power and did it for, you know, two decades in Washington because Greenspan's model of how he did that uh, could teach today's experts something about how they could resist populist pressure and still make a contribution to the governance of the country. The man who knew the life and times of Alan Greenspan, the former chairman of the Federal Reserve, the author, uh, Sebastian Malaby. Sebastian, very good of you to be with us today. Great conversation. Steve, thanks for having me on. Sebastian Malaby has been a Washington Post columnist since 1999. In 2003, he was a fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations and has written for Foreign Affairs, Foreign Policy, The New York Times, and The New Republic, among others. The Man Who Knew is published by Penguin Press.